Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. It's August, which means that normally your TV sounds a bit like this. It's the most dangerous time of the year to live in the Valley. Are you ready for the whipping winds, daunting dust storms, and electric light shows? Monsoon storms battering people across Arizona, even parts of the West Valley getting in on the action. But this year has been a little different. Phoenix had a 103-day streak without rain. But when it does rain, have you noticed how clean, fresh, and just gorgeous things smell? Today's question comes from Kimball Allen, who is a Valley transplant. Kimball asked why the rain in Arizona smells different. Answering that question is podcast editor Katie O'Connell. Like Kimball, I'm a transplant too. And I also noticed a particular or unusual scent after rainstorms here. But it's a phenomenon that's not unique to Arizona. Uh, But if you are in a pine forest, the rain has a certain smell there. If you go to a Nebraska cornfield, it's another whole different smell. That's Joe McAuliffe. I'm the former director of the Department of Research, Conservation, and Collections at the Desert Botanical Garden, and also the senior research scientist there. Joe said that the rain in Arizona smells different because of the plants in Arizona. One plant in particular deserves either the credit or the blame for the smell that comes after a rain, depending on whether or not you like it. And that plant is the creosote bush. Odds are you've seen this plant without realizing it. Typically, it grows to be about four or five feet tall. But the little leaflets, they're only about, oh, quarter inch, three-eighths inch long, and they're forked. The, the, the leaf, it has two little tips, sharp tips. Like all desert plants, it's used to going long stretches without rain. But those little leaves will change colors depending on its level of hydration. It's a harlequin. It changes. When it gets dry, it becomes more moves towards the olive end, olive and almost olive brown. And then... When new leaves are produced after, you know, substantial uh, brighter young green leaves. And it's a chemical compound in the leaves that produces the scent we associate with rain. All plants produce chemical compounds. In general, some of them function like waxy coatings on leaves to help prevent the loss of water, particularly important for a desert plant. But also, uh, deterring animals, herbivores, from eating their leaves. Joe said that the creosote bush probably has dozens of different chemical compounds. They're like what you would find in essential oils. They're very volatile, and they vaporize easily, so they can travel with the wind. There could be a rainstorm miles and miles away. Uh, If the breeze is moving in that direction, you'll catch us. It's raining in that direction someplace. Why won't it come here? And the chemical compound in the leaves gave the plant a bit of a reputation with the Spanish colonialists. Spanish name for chrysobush is 
Hediondelia, which loosely translated means little stinker. <laughs> so that's not, not the favorite, favorite name I have. Uh, and I have to editorialize for a bit and say that I agree with Joe. I love the scent of the Crusoe bush, so I think that nickname is a bit unfair. There's also another name. I, I, the name I like in Spanish is La Gobernadora, the governess. Governs the desert. <laughs> I think it's a very fitting name since they're since wherever you go in the, the hot southwest, it's usually the dominant plant. It may be the dominant plant, but it's not a good nurse plant. That means it can't really help other plants grow. And that's because it doesn't give a lot of shade to other plants. But it's important to animals in the desert. Take the kangaroo rat, which burrows underneath the bush. That location can help protect them from predators like badgers. And the seeds are also eaten by desert rodents. The creosote bush grows in the Chihuahuan, Sonoran, and Mojave deserts. Geographically, that includes Southern California, as well as parts of Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, even some of Utah. It also includes Baja California and the Mexican states of Chihuahua and Sonora. The creosote bushes that grow in those areas are all the same species. Laria tridentata. But the North American desert isn't the only desert where the creosote bush grows. But in South America, in Argentina, there's a desert region in some ways. You could be in this desert region, think you're in the Sonoran Desert because they're tall cacti that look like squirrels, but they're different species. But there's also a species of creosote bush. Its scientific name is Laria divericata. Joe said that some people consider the North American and South American creosote bush to be the same. They look almost the same. The only thing is the little fork leaves have a tiny little twi twist on the end. But they, for all uh, purposes, they, they look the same in terms of their growth form, their leaves, their fruits, their flowers, everything. And it's thought that the North American creosote bush evolved from its South American counterpart. And so it's thought that sometime long ago, who knows, hundreds, well, well more than hundreds of million or more years ago, that seeds of Laria divericata, the South American one from the Monte, hitchhiked up to North America, probably in the feathers, the plumage of a bird, or who knows what. Now, Joe and I have not been to the Monte Desert in Argentina, so we can't confirm that the rain there smells the same. But I'm sure I'd like to be there after rain because I'm sure it would probably smell pretty much the same given the similarities of those plants. The scent of the creosote bush may not be unique to the North American desert, but the good news is that it's not going anywhere. I asked Joe if global warming threatened the plant. Creosote bush is going to be here long after humans are no longer here. <laughs> In fact, Joe said that the creosote bush might expand where it's found as a result of global warming. 
100 years from now, you could find it in places where it had previously been too cold for it to grow. Uh, Creosote bush actually probably has expanded its range over the last 300 years. There are places in New Mexico uh, that have been documented. They're former grassland, black grandma grassland uh, uh, in the uh, uh, southernmost New Mexico that in the 1800s entirely grassed, uh, but, but now creosote bush have become increasingly prevalent. I also asked about construction. What would happen to the plant if desert land was turned into housing or roads? Uh, certainly, if you build a parking lot, they're going to disappear. But if you look at uh, uh, areas that, I mean, are even uh, impacted some way, for example, bulldozer scraping, it takes a while for them to start again by seed, but they will. Once they start growing, there's no stopping them. (laughs) Joe said they're usually grown from a seed. Transplanting a creosote bush can be difficult to do thanks to their root systems. Even a small creosote bush, um, one that might only be six, 10 inches tall, a few stems, will have a root that goes down more than three feet. If you sever the root, Leaves won't receive the water they need. That means the plant will eventually die. So if you want to transplant one, you just have to be careful. And once you do it properly, not only do the bushes keep growing, but they can live for a long, long time. Think of like a saguaro, 150 years old. Wow, 150 years. Well, there are saguaro or creosote bush plants. They starting from one seed, then little basal buds growing outward in a ring-like form. And these, some of these rings are 20 or more feet in diameter and thought to be many thousands of years old. And by many thousands of years, Joe means 10 to 11,000 years old. There's one creosote bush, the King Clone in California, that's more than 11,000 years old. That would mean it's 100 times older than a 100-year-old saguaro. So if it's raining by you and you like the scent of a creosote bush, consider yourself lucky. When I wrote this script, I hadn't gotten any rain. But of course, the storm hit later that night. (laughs) So hopefully I'll get to experience it again soon. Kayla, have you had any rain in your neighborhood? It actually is a little stormy outside as I am recording this. So far, though, I've gotten about 30 seconds of rain a few days ago. But believe me, I looked outside, yelled back to my husband, it's raining! and really enjoyed it for the brief period of time. Well, Katie, thank you for answering Kimball's question. Listeners, if you have a question about life in the Valley, let us know. You can submit your question to us at valley101podcast.azcentral.com. You can also find us on Twitter at valley101pod. A few quick notes before we wrap up. Audio in today's episode comes from 12 News and ABC 15. 
Thanks to our breaking news interns, Audrey Jensen and Emily Wilder. The statistics we mentioned in the beginning of this episode come from their reporting. I'm Kayla White, signing off for this week. Take care until next week.